Hello, listeners and citizens of Broncos country. My name is Adan Diaz, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. Now, this episode, I was really hoping we'd have a different tone going on, but I'm pretty sure as I'm recording this that Broncos country is still fuming over the uh, end result of last night's game between the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos. And let me just tell you that I tried to stay as positive as I could up until the last whistle, but there were times where I did start to get a little nervous, even worried and you know, cross my fingers and all that, hoping that we wouldn't walk into week two, being the last game of week one, mind you, with an L. And the thing that hit me just as I hit the record button was that we're kind of on the same path as we were last year when we started in week one. Uh, we didn't start in Denver. We started out in uh, the rate with the Raiders on their last year in Oakland, but we lost that game. And the consequences or I don't know if consequences is the right word but the way that game happened down was pretty much what happened down last night if if it was just for one player they would have caught just one pass the end result may have been different but unfortunately here we are going in a week to back to the bottom of the basement we go trailing behind the las vegas raiders who won the la chargers who won and of course the super bowl champion kansas city chiefs who also won so we're already off to a not so good start in terms of division standings because now we have a bit of a i wouldn't say a hole but it just makes it a just that much more harder to crawl out of and we just have to hope that the other teams have just really really uh bad or even shitty game down the line to give us that uh, advantage that we got towards the end of the season last year where we were able to finish in second place now I'm gonna break down the game as best as I can from start to finish so uh, let me just say ahead of time that I do apologize if I jump from random point to random point I know I do that sometimes I have a habit of it but I feel if I don't speak my mind or about a certain point or idea or an agenda that I might not remember about it and, you know, I'll come back and circle it to it later. So I'm um, just going to ask you to please bear with me as we go down this rabbit hole of a defensive, I say defensive game because it was pretty tight, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty tight defensively on both sides of the ball. And I thought it was going to be a whole lot more one-sided for in favoring Denver. I really thought that Denver was going to be able to take advantage of all the uh, injuries to the defensive team of the Titans. But unfortunately, it did not pan out that way. So here we go. Let's start off with the first quarter. In the first quarter, the Tennessee Titans had the ball. So they went first. And they went six plays. Excuse me. They went six plays, 38 yards. They had the ball for a total of 3 minutes and 12 seconds, but it didn't lead to anything, so they punted. Now, that opening drive by Tannehill was kind of an eye... Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if eye-opener is the right word I'm looking for. More of like an, an insight, I should say, into what teams can expect out of Derrick Henry. And kudos to our linebackers, Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, for stepping up and putting the hurt on Derrick Henry and on certain drives and plays 
And this was one of the things that I was mostly worried about. I thought that Derrick Henry was going to run amok on Denver after they passed up on Todd Davis. But it, it looks like Denver is going to be just fine in terms of uh, the, the linebacker position if Josie Jewell can keep up that type of performance. And Alexander Johnson, while he did struggle a couple of times in coverage, he when we needed him to come through, he came through. So kudos to those guys for coming for coming up and you know stepping up when it really mattered most so the titans punted the ball to denver denver catches the ball they go five plays only 26 yards in total and they only have the ball for a total of two minutes and 56 seconds so they did it did look kind of promising at first but then they kind of you know shut down towards the end of that drive and it's understandable it's week one this offense is still young they you know both sides started out a little jittery and you know it's understandable they're not the only teams that did that uh week one there were other teams that also started out you know not throwing hail marys and running for 80 90 yards mind you so they punt the ball back to tennessee tennessee goes nine plays down the field 58 yards total and when they went for the field goal they missed so that was already the first break for denver keeping this cord 0-0 so Denver takes over on the turnover they go 10 plays 50 yards and Drew Locke with an amazing pass to Noah Fan, who was being covered but Noah Fan was able to come back for the ball catch it and lay himself backwards for the touchdown this and he was being guarded by Tennessee's uh, Kenny Vaccaro and even if uh, even if Fant didn't get that pass or you know it was intercepted or something, there was a flag for defensive holding. So either way, Denver was gonna have another crack at it. But this, if you can go back and watch that play, that play was amazing because the chemistry between Drew Locke and Noah Fant is, I mean, I know you'll hear the word amazing a lot between these two, but I believe it can be something even better than that. Noah Fant is just on his way to being one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And he's, he's going to be a pro bowler for sure. And the fact that he had such a great first half, and then it's like um, he just, I don't know if he went home or he had something to do or he was injured. God only knows what happened to him in the second half because he, <laughs> after that, after the, after halftime, it's like he didn't ever came back from his car, but you know we'll we'll get more into that towards the end of the uh, explanation. So, the Denver kicks the ball back, gives it back to Tennessee. Tennessee goes only three plays for six yards. They go three and out, and they punt the ball back to Denver. But before uh, Denver can can uh, start the drive, you know that's the end of the first quarter. So the end of the first quarter. Denver was up 7-0. The offense looked a little bit jittery. I believe in the first quarter there was a play where uh, Drew Locke fumbled the ball on a snap and he was lucky to land on it and that it didn't get past him or that one of the defensive linemen wasn't able to dive on him. So we go into the second quarter. The Broncos are up four plays in. And I believe on this play, it was, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a, a screen pass or a running pass. It was uh, It was a quick pass to... Melvin Gordon on the right side. Now, the only problem I had with this is that Melvin Gordon, for some reason, stopped to try to do a juke move or something. 
knowing he has two defenders in front of him and I'm pretty and I know he saw the one defender that was able to come and wrap him that's the worst time for you to try and, and do a spin move or do something fancy and it looked like he tried to get away from him but unfortunately the defender was able to wrap himself and uh, get the ball out of his hand and even though uh, one of the linemen tried to dive on it unfortunately it was coughed up and it was recovered by Tennessee in Denver territory I believe it was in their third the 25 is the 30 or the 25 well it was somewhere around there it was near the red zone I remember that so already Melvin Gordon was off to a terrible start I mean when it when you when you do something like that and you see defenders are, are crossing on you you just gotta you know grasp the ball tight and just try to get you know throw yourself forward do something don't try to do none of that fancy shit especially when you know you know you've got the whole team barreling down on you on a quick pass if it was just one-on-one you know that that's that's one thing but i i don't know i i kind of i when i watch it back i i still yell at my tv even though i know exactly what's gonna happen because it was it was just clumsy it's clumsy and the fact that you know you're this is the man you're paying 18 million dollars for over uh philip Lindsay, and he coughs up the ball it, it believe me people on twitter were not happy and they let their feelings be known for that first couple of uh for about a good hour i believe <laughs> if i'm not mistaken so anyway denver fumbles the ball uh tennessee ball and unfortunately the defense being caught kind of off guard wasn't able to stop Tannehill. And Tannehill was able to pass to tight end uh, Pruitt for a one-yard touchdown. Now, I will say that I I don't know where Justin Simmons was most of this game. Justin Simmons was the one guy you could count on, you know, in, especially in the end zone to make it really tough. But Pruitt, if I don't remember correctly, was, was pretty much open for that one shot. And by the time a, lot, a defensive guy got there to cover him, unfortunately, it was too late. And it, it was just, it, it sucks because I'm a big Justin Simmons fan and I was rooting for him to get that extension uh, during the offseason. But unfortunately in this game, he didn't really show any anything positive to put on tape to go towards the end of the year and, you know, show the, the guys up in the office to say, hey, he's worth the big contract extension. So hopefully this was just a, a bad game for him. And, you know, he can rebound, uh, uh, rebound, uh, bounce back and, you know, come back stronger, come back more hungry, come back, you know, being the Justin Simmons that we all know and love. But unfortunately, Tennessee Titans tie it up 7-7. Denver gets the ball back. They march down the field for 12 plays, 12 amazing plays, mind you, for 73 yards. Oh, I'm sorry, 74 yards. <laughs> and... This was the the play that most people are, are still talking about now, where they were in the red zone. It's fourth down. And, you know, I was thinking they were just going to kick it. But for some reason, Fangio decides to do that quick shuttle pass he did with... Uh, who did he do? I don't know if he did. It was a running back he did it with last year. I don't know if it was Lindsey or if it was Devontae Booker. It was one of those two guys. But those guys are pretty small and, you know, given if they can find the right hole, they can, you know, kind of squeeze in in between the tackles 
for the touchdown. And unfortunately, they tried to do this with uh, Jake Butt. And unfortunately, Jake Butt is not that small of a dude. He's a pretty big guy. And the second he caught the ball, he tried to dive through, but he just dove into a, a line full of defensive linemen and he got stopped at the one. And I, I mean, I don't get it. I thought Locke was going to try to, you know, run it all the way to the edge or run and try to find somebody in the edge that was open. I wasn't expecting a, a, a shuttle pass, especially to, to a tight end. Uh, that that to me makes it, it, it you know maybe if it was Noah Fant I, I'd probably feel a little bit better about it but to to Jake Butt I know Jake Butt is trying his ass off to you know come out and and you know be relevant again and not get injured but uh, you know my my cousin when I was uh, learning to play Madden he and he still told me to this day. Especially when he saw that when you always go for the three points. I know it's it's tempting to try to take, you know, risk it and go for the big lead. And if you get it, it's a huge payoff. But if you don't, it, it's also a real bitch, you know. And anyway, the Titans go. They take uh, they took, get to take over on downs. And they were in their own end zone, mind you. And they were able to march 73 yards. And again, field goal kicker missed. Kaskowski, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that man left 10 points on the board in total. And Denver was not able to take advantage of any of it. And then towards the end of the half, they tried a trick play. They were hoping to maybe catch Tennessee off, um, you know, sleeping or napping. But unfortunately, it didn't work. They were only able to get, I think, up to midfield. And then that was the end of the half. So... Third quarter starts. Denver gets the ball. They, but unfortunately, I was hoping they'd come out red hot, and they go three and out. They only went seven yards. They only had a ball, the ball for about a minute and a second, and they punt it back to Tennessee. Tennessee goes 14 plays for 40 yards, and again, the field goal kick is missed. And Denver just keeps getting all these chances, and you can't help but feel as a Broncos fan like. This is a sign. They want you to win. You know, stop, like, stop fucking around. But anyway, Denver takes over on downs. And again, they go three and out. And they go for negative yardage, only negative four yards. And they only had the ball for a minute and 37. Now, when this happened, I started to really worry because I was like, the the, the defense is, is starting to get... You know, they get tired of being out there and the offense isn't doing them any favors by either scoring too fast or, or you know, going three and out. But I would take scoring too fast because then at least you put bo- points on the board. So if the defense gives up points, then at least, you, you know, you get something out of it. But when you go three and out for only a minute and 37 seconds, that's not enough time for your defense to catch their breath. And I started having flashbacks to, you know, 2017 and, and beyond that. Watching the defense going out there, you know, gassed and trying to make magic happen because the offense can't do shit. And unfortunately, Denver punts the ball back to Tennessee. Tannehill and company, they march down for 15 plays, 67 yards in total. And then Tannehill just has a pass to a wide open Jonu Smith for a one-yard touchdown. And again, for the point after the attempt, field goal, uh, the kicker missed. So, 
Tennessee takes the lead 13-7. And with that, we go into the fourth quarter. You know, Broncos finally wake up. They have the ball. They march down the field. Nine plays, 75 yards. And the touchdown goes to Melvin Gordon uh, for a yard out. His line finally blocked for him. Now, that, that drive was pretty, really, really good. And I'll tell you why. Because that drive was meant exactly for the reason that Elway paid Melvin Gordon. You know, Melvin Gordon showed why he earned or he should earn what he got paid for. The thing, the fucked up thing is that he only did it for that one fucking drive. Especially when he had the momentum going, going through that uh, Philip Lindsay got injured uh, sometime during the game. I think it was in the first half and he was ruled out. So it was just him and, uh, and Royce Freeman and Royce Freeman only got the ball like two or three times, I believe if I'm not mistaken. But that was, that should have been the Melvin Gordon show. You know, that third and fourth quarter, that should have been him. But unfortunately, the, the line wasn't able to to get any gaping holes on him. And Melvin Gordon wasn't able to do much except for that one drive. But and I was hoping like, OK, you know, this is this, this can be it. If we can do if we can do this, if we can just eat clock and the defense can, uh, you know, just stop them, stop Tennessee from scoring. You know, we can we can win this, even if it's just by a point. And anyway, the ball goes back to Tennessee. Tennessee goes three and out. And I'm not sure if this is the one. There was one drive where they forgot to call a timeout. And they, and they got called for delay a game. And they were at the fourth and one. So they go from fourth and one to fourth and six. But it was hilarious. So Tennessee punched the ball back to Denver. Denver has the ball for five plays. And I think this is the one where... Uh, the, I think this was the drive where it was a questionable throw to Deshaun Hamilton. And unfortunately, Locke overthrew it. But it was on a third and... It was like on a third and ten? Third and seven? Somewhere around there? And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, why would you not only overthrow your receiver, but you stop the clock? You give Tennessee that chance to, you know, not only catch their breath, but... You know, kind of scheme. You give them more time. And in this this drive should have been, you know, Denver should have just been trying to eat the ball or eat the ball, <laughs> eat the clock as, as much as they could, you know, with slant routes and, you know, not trying to do nothing fancy. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. So they punt the ball away. Tennessee gets the ball. They go three and out again. They get no yards. Derrick Henry, I believe, was stuffed. They only had the ball for 51 seconds. And then they punt the ball back to Denver. Then Denver has the ball. Unfortunately, they go three and out again. And they only have the ball for about a minute and a second. They only get two yards. And then they punt the ball back to Tennessee. And in the final drive, Tennessee goes 12 plays, 67 yards. They have the ball for two minutes and 48 seconds. And Gostowski finally hits a field goal. Tennessee goes up 16 to 14. And this is the drive that pissed off every single Broncos fan because Vic Fangio is watching the Tennessee Titans march down the field. He's watching the clock ticker down and he doesn't call a timeout at all. And he figures, oh, you know. Let's give Drew Locke the ball back with 17 seconds and three timeouts. And who knows? Maybe he can, you know, heave the ball and, 
you know, get a passer interference call and, you know, maybe a little, little quick slant routes in and out and, you know, put McManus in uh, field goal range. Like, the fuck? What the hell's going on? This is like coaching 101. I think everybody in Madden does this. Everybody knows. Even I know that. And I'm not the biggest football guru guy in the world, especially in Madden. But even I know that. Okay. To his credit, Vic Fangio said he believed. He believed that his defense would be able to either do what they did the second. I believe it was in the second attempt where Shelby Harris, God bless Shelby Harris for putting up a hand and, you know, making that ball go the wrong way or that the defense would get an interception or that the kicker would just ultimately miss since he had already missed four previous kicks before that. And to me, that's... I mean, talk about wishful thinking. That's... I mean, I love the Denver defense, but not even I would 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 do something like that because that I just that's like a slap in the face to to the offense. It's like how, how can you expect them to go forward like that? And, and no, <laughs> you know this is and this is this is something I expected out of Vic Fangio last year. You know, to do some shit like this, and then I could say like, oh well, you know, it's his first year. You know, it's one of those coach rookie mistakes. You know, I'm pretty sure he's not the only one that made it. You know, yada yada yada. And to, and he's not because this uh, somebody on Twitter actually mentioned it that this is something that Andy Reid did previous. I think when he got to Kansas City, and he did the same thing. And and Andy Reid did it in the playoffs. He did the exact same shit. He just sat there and watched the the time tick down. And I think it was against the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. But I remember watching that game, and I'm just in there thinking the same thing. I'm like, dude, you're watching the clock just melt away. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And you you don't do that. You don't. I mean, it's one thing to be confident. That's great, but you you don't jeopardize the the game like that. That was a really really that was an even bigger risk than when they went on they when they went for it on fourth down, even bigger. And and to be and you want to use your timeouts as a safety net. That's what they're there for. You know, you use your timeouts and okay, if he misses, great. Then all Denver has to do is just run the ball a little bit, make Tennessee use their timeouts, and then take a uh, you know kneel, and that's the game. But you, you don't you don't sit there and you know look at your team and like oh yeah well you know uh, it didn't I mean I. <laughs> I'm I'm at a loss for words, I really am. I'm at a loss for words because I don't know what the fuck to say. Because it, it was one of the it was one of the strangest plays, it, it, one of the strangest coaching calls I have ever seen in my entire life. And it's like, how do you? What do you say to? Do? I wish I could be a fly on a wall and listen to that conversation. Uh, Vic Fangio telling Julak like, well, unfortunately, you know, my plan didn't work out. But you know, you got three timeouts and there's 17 seconds, so you know, go out there and. You know, be a hero. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I just, man, I don't know if you guys saw the Chargers and in, 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 uh, in Cincinnati game, but there was a look on Joe Burrow's face when the kicker missed the field goal. That's the look I would have had on my face if Vic Fangio told me some shit like that. Like, you know, uh, here's three timeouts, 17 seconds, you know, go just 
you know, Hail Mary that motherfucker. See who catches it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, Vic. No, man. You don't you don't do that. You don't do that. And I'm a big Vic Fangio fan. I was really happy when he came over from Chicago last season. And I still am. But yeah, this is just one of those things where you don't want to see your coach fuck up in. And you don't. And the bad thing is, is that people are going to remind him about it all season. Shit. Hell, maybe even the rest of his life. Uh, coaching uh, life, uh, mind you. And they're just going to keep bringing it up. But hopefully, hopefully, he learned from this. And we don't have to have this same conversation again. Because if we do, there's going to be a big ass sit down, you know, staring at him over across the table. Looking at him and like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> but anyways let's talk about the defense and the offense but before we do that let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after these fine words and we're back if you're just joining us i Kind of almost had a little meltdown back there about our, our coach Vic Fangio, but anyway, let's let's try to focus on the good and the bad from the game. And I'm sorry if you guys hear the clicking. That's my mouse. I'm just clicking back and forth between screens. Normally I have a double screen, but fucking the HDMI port on my computer fucked up, and I can't get the double screen to work, so I have to use this. So I do apologize if the clicking is annoying. But anyway. The positives, Drew Locke, 22 out of 33, 216 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Now, as other people have stated on social media all last night, and I can't agree with this anymore, this game was lost to the coaching. It wasn't because of Drew Locke. It wasn't because of the defense. Hell, it wasn't even because of Melvin Gordon who fucked up by fumbling the ball. No. Mistakes are going to happen on the on the field between players. That's understandable. Jerry Judy dropping passes. That's understandable. He's a rookie. Uh, Cushenberry kind of uh, not snapping the ball correctly that first time. That's going to happen. Drew Locke looking away before he has the ball to try to make a, 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 a play. That's going to happen. This offense is still young, folks. Let me repeat that again. This Offense is still young. Five games is not enough time to get everybody to to get into motion, to get things working right. And also, please remember that we switched offensive coordinators without warning. I don't even think the offense inside Denver even knew what was going on, what uh, Fangio and Elway had planned. So we're kind of going through this whole thing like we did with Scangarello last year. And... Hopefully, it's not something where we get stuck in a quote-unquote a world of suck like we did last year where we're just on this on this binge. But at least we're not playing this quarterback carousel again. And the, there were like one or two passes, if I can remember correctly, where Drew Locke was really lucky the ball wasn't picked. But Drew Locke is still learning. And the only fault I can find with Julak's play last night was the fact that he didn't hit any deep ball passes. I usually expect quarterbacks to at least hit one deep throw pass. He tried, 
On one, he overthrew Judy. On the other one, he overthrew Deshaun Hamilton. And then there was another one where I think he overthrew. So, unfortunately, his, his arm is there. But, unfortunately, his receivers weren't where the ball was was being thrown to. But that's, that takes time to get it you know, going, get practice. Also, keep in mind that Cortland Sutton was not in this game. And Cortland Sutton, aside from Noah Fant, is Drew Locke's go-to guy. He's kind of like our Megatron, if you will. He's the guy that you just throw the ball and expect him to make a make a catch. You know, whether it's amazing, whether it's straight, whether it's a touchdown, what have you. That's the kind of guy Corlin Sutton has developed to be. And unfortunately, due to that uh, shoulder injury, he was inactive last night. And I'm pretty sure it, it fucked up everybody's fantasy team's rosters. I know it fucked up mine. <laughs> but it, it is what it is. And unfortunately Drew Locke is going to have another test ahead of him going into Pittsburgh against the Steelers next uh, next week but uh, you know Daniel Jones he, he looked uh, he didn't look great but he looked decent throwing against uh, that secondary although he got picked off twice but at least he was able to put up a, a, I think he, he had what two two three touchdowns something like that so I thought he was going to do worse so he did okay and hopefully we'll have Sutton back maybe on a snap count perhaps uh depends how how his shoulder can heal from now until Sunday afternoon but you know wishful thinking folks wishful thinking Melvin Gordon he had 15 carries for 78 yards and he had a running touchdown now that play where he scored was beautiful it was a uh, uh, he went straight to the left his line was able to block for him and it was it was a great thing to see. Now this O line. Let's first of all let's you know let's give a hand to Garrett Bowles for going an entire game without a fucking hold. That just was amazing, folks. Every time a flag flew, I just like I rolled my eyes. I said, "Oh, please don't say holding Garrett Bowles number seventy-two. Please don't say holding Garrett Bowles number seventy-two." But he did. I think Garrett Bowles was probably the best player on that line, honestly, because he didn't get flagged and it didn't look like he gave any plays. Um, unfortunately, Dalton Reisner, there were a couple times I saw where he got beat by Jadavian Clowney. Uh, so did um, Gla- Glasgow. I don't remember seeing that much tape on him, but he. there were a couple times where he did leak towards the front. I don't know if it was because of confusion on who on blocking assignments or what have you. But he wasn't terrible, and neither was Reisner. And the, but the one that uh, Cushenberry he did pretty good. I don't think he, he was a, a, an issue towards the, the middle. But the biggest one was Wilkinson. Wilkinson was he he was as bad as we thought he was because almost every other highlight I saw it was just Clowney beating him or uh, what was his name uh, Harris I think his name was beating him there was a play where drew Lockett he just threw the ball and he got hit as he was going down and that was dangerous because that could have been drew Locke's season right there if he landed awkwardly on his shoulder or whatever and it was all because wilkinson couldn't get the the footing right and you know not even make the the, the pass rusher you know goal goal the long way he got beat and i i think i honestly think it's it's time to put in dotson I say give Dotson a shot, put him out there against the Steelers, and see see what he can do. 
you know, kind of maybe that'll motivate Wilkinson to to do better. But it, it you, you this is it, it wasn't something that I wanted to see. I was really hoping I would be wrong. I would eat crow on that right tackle spot, saying, "Oh, well, you know, Wilkinson did great." But unfortunately, I was right, and a whole bunch of other people that predicted Wilkinson was going to leak and not play good, they were right. And this is just, I mean, it sucks. It sucks. That that should have been Jawan James all, all the way. But, you know, it is what it is. Phillip Lindsay had seven carries for 24 yards, no touchdowns, and he had an average of 3.4 yards a carry. Melvin Gordon had 5.2 yards a carry. But then again, Melvin Gordon played more than Lindsay, and Lindsay was hurt. From what I read on the report before I started recording this podcast, uh, I believe Lindsay has turf toe, and I don't know how serious it is. He's day-to-day. He's questionable for next week against the Steelers. Uh, but hopefully he can come back and restore some dignity back to <laughs> our fantasy seasons if you have him like I do. Julak had three carries for five yards. And Royce Freeman had just one carry for no yards. So there you go. I remember I did see Royce Freeman's name, but he just had one carry. And he didn't get no yardage out of it. For the receiving, the leader in receiving was Noah Fant. He had 81 yards with a touchdown, and he had six targets. That's amazing. That really is. Jerry Judy, four receiving passes for 56 yards, no touchdowns, though, and he was targeted eight times. Those two passes where Jerry Judy caught the ball would have been amazing if he hadn't looked away and concentrated more on trying to catch the ball. But... On the there were there was one pass where he just man those cuts that he makes made those defensive uh, that secondary just look foolish and it's amazing what this man can do and I think out of I think out of Rugs and and CD Lamb I think Jerry Judy put on a better show his numbers may have not been all that great especially with those two drops but he he's a rookie it's his first game there's no preseason this season folks so you have to understand that for some of these guys this is kind of their preseason the only thing that sucks is the losses count so we have to have a bit of a thick skin when we criticize this team and i'm talking about the 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 team itself folks not the coaching coaching vic fangio deserves everything he got coming towards him that's one thing but you know these these new guys I think they deserve some slack. And it's the beginning of the season, folks. You have to keep that in mind. There were a lot of people that were freaking me, or not freaking me out, but just kind of cracking me up when it was like, oh, you know, season's over, or I'm not watching because Denver's playing like shit. It's reminiscent of last year. It's How can you hit the panic button so, so hard? I'm glad I'm not like that. I really am. And I hope you aren't either, especially if you listen to me ramble on about uh, the Broncos because if you are then you might as well leave because I stay positive up until the last second and even last night I was really hoping that Julak would just throw a, a 90 yard you know bomb or, or somebody would catch it and make or do a lateral or some miracle ass you know thing happen but it, it, unfortunately it didn't happen and you just have to stay positive folks there's still 15 more weeks ahead of football you cannot throw the towel in on week one you just can't 
and you can't do it next week and you can't do it in week three and you can't do it. You can only throw the towel in when your team is officially eliminated or at the very last whistle of the regular season and your team doesn't make the playoffs. Then you can throw in the towel. Then you can talk all the smack you want and it's like, okay, you know, get, you know, vent, get your feelings out, you know, feel better. Okay. See you guys next year. But if you're a diehard Bronco fan, like I am, you support every single person on this team. Not every game is going to be fucking fantastic. Not every game is going to be a W. Not every game is going to be perfect. There are times where the team struggles. There will be times when the defense struggles. There will be times where Coach Fangio doesn't realize what the fuck to do with timeouts. (laughs) I'm sorry. I shouldn't have laughed at that, but you have to have patience. Broncos country, have patience. Have some faith in this team and just just do what I do. Just pray. (laughs) If you need to pray, just pray because sometimes that works. But just have faith. Tim Patrick, four receptions, uh, 29 yards. He was targeted five times. Tim Patrick, was he had a pretty good game. I will admit that, especially for coming in up from the uh, uh, from depth. I was really hoping he'd have a, a, a bigger impact on the game, but four targets, uh, can't argue with that. Deshaun Hamilton, he had one reception for 18 yards. He was targeted three times. Royce Freeman had one reception for 12 yards. So he didn't have any running, any rushing yards, but he did have a, a, a passing yard for 12, 12 yards. Targeted only once. Philip Lindsay, 11 yards, targeted once. Melvin Gordon, we received it three times for eight yards. He was targeted three times. Tyree Cleveland, he looked, he looked okay. I mean, nothing amazing, but... He had uh, one reception for seven yards. Jake Butt, one reception, no yards. And Nick Vanette, one reception for negative six yards. And two targets, both. So, th- I I think I try to, I think I try to, I'm, I'm trying to understand what it is about Pat Shermer and his tight ends. I think he's trying to do this. You know, not one tight end is more important than the other thing, which is why I think he was trying to use certain plays where he drew lock throws to Van Nett or drew lock throws to Jake Butt. But let's just be honest here, folks. Noah Fant is the tight end and the other tight ends should be used as either, you know, if, if not for blocking as for camouflage, make it look like they're the target and try to get Noah Fant open out. I don't I don't really necessarily think that this has to be a you know a, a feed everybody type of of offense. I think that if you have your star players, feed your star players. It's not necessary that you have to throw to Jake Butt. It's not necessary that you have to throw to Nick Van Nett. If if they're wide open, okay, I, I get that. But it's a. I'm sorry. What the fuck happened to Noah Fan in the second half? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the question everybody's asking themselves. But the the offense, they're still getting it down, folks. Okay. They're still trying to gel together. I, I've said this already. They're, they're trying to get a feeling together. They're trying to figure out what works. And now that they have a, a better idea, hopefully they can use what they've learned in the last four quarters 
to try to develop an even better offensive scheme against the Steelers because the Steelers defense is going to be tougher than uh, what the Tennessee Titans had. And I, I think that I think that Denver can do it. I honestly do. I think they can pull it off, but it has to come from the offense. The offense cannot keep putting the defense out there on these three and outs and start to wear the defense down and expect the defense to, you know, come up with uh, uh, an interception or a turnover or hope that the kicker just missed the fucking ball completely. And speaking of defense, let's let's talk about our amazing defense. Kareem Jackson, Jarrell Casey, AJ Bouye, and Michael Ojemuria. Ojemuria, say that right. I didn't even know Michael O was was playing. I thought he was just there for depth. But Ojemuria was amazing last night. So was Bouye, so was Casey, and of course so was Kareem Jackson. Kareem Jackson with that diving uh, bat away. On, on a Titans receiver was just amazing because if that guy gets the ball, he he had some yards looking. He had some green in front of him, as they say. But those four guys, Bouye, I know he he um, towards the end of the the half, the first half, there was a play where Bouye kind of threw himself out of bounds and he landed wrong and he separated his shoulder. And he had his, he had to have his shoulder pop back into place, and it wasn't nothing serious. But I think Denver is a precaution. They decided to keep him out, so you know he wouldn't re-aggravate it or, or make it worse. So, uh, and the corners were playing good. S.A. Bassey was was as good as he played really. S.A.ing I keep calling him S.A. <laughs> S.A.ing Bassey played really good, and so did Ojemudia. And the only critical the only critical defensive plays that I saw was the one where uh, Alexander AJ Johnson got flagged after Ojemudia made a fantastic interception catch, but it didn't count because AJ Johnson got, uh, caught a personal, so that negated it. Bryce Callahan, I think he did okay. Nothing, I wouldn't say like great, uh, but at least he didn't give up any big plays. The only question I have for that defense is. Tannehill didn't throw any long bombs to anybody, not even to his um, to his main wide receiver. So why were the cornerbacks playing 10 yards out and giving up the middle? Tannehill was punishing us for that almost every fucking drive. And not only that, but him calling no huddles, keeping the defense from subbing in and out, that was also, uh, I have to admit, that was pretty brilliant by, by Tannehill. But this defense was able to hold Tennessee to just 16 points. And even though they gave up two touchdowns and a field goal, they were they were able to to keep it from being a high scoring affair. So for me, the defense did their job. Except the only other critique I would have is just the 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 rushers. I know Bradley Chubb was on a snap count, but he what he didn't have as great of a game as I'm pretty sure he wishes he would have had. Malik Reed. I saw his name out there, but unfortunately, he didn't make any any great uh, uh, like plays or what have you. The pressure was there, especially down the middle. Mike Purcell and Jarrell Casey, God bless you guys. You guys were just amazing getting that getting to uh, the quarterback. And in that first half, they were able to at least hit Tannehill before Tannehill got rid of the ball. So it was almost like a punishment for him. Jeremiah Tachu, also great. 
he was able to get the probably I think it was the only sack of the game if I'm not mistaken when he came in and he if he would have just done that peanut punch he probably would have been able to strip the ball away from Tannehill especially seeing that Tannehill didn't even know that Itachi was behind him because Tannehill was getting ready to run but unfortunately Tannehill didn't cough up the ball and um, but at least Itachi got the sack so that's what matters and uh, like I said earlier in this podcast Justin Simmons he was out there but unfortunately his coverage play was came into question he there wasn't enough tape on him to for him to to, to say he played great you know at least he wasn't hurt but I think he was outshined by Kareem Jackson Kareem Jackson was all over that fucking field <laughs> And he played a hell of a game. He played really, really good. So did Josie Jewell. And I'm going to eat crow because I think on this on a previous episode, I said that Josie Jewell was going to struggle. Um, I, I may have said that he wasn't going to be that great. or, But I did say that I was hoping to see improvement from him, especially because I think this is a contract year for him. And the pressure was put on him with Denver moving on from Todd Davis. And Josie Jewell... He shined. There was one play where he literally just went down the middle and took down Derrick Henry. Just one big putazo. Bam. Down goes Henry for negative yardage. And Alexander Johnson, too. He did really good. They were able to contain Derrick Henry. They were able to keep him from making any major, like, big running plays. Because usually Derrick Henry is usually good for one or two. Let me see. Derrick Henry. How many yards did he have? Uh, He had 116 yards total. So, I mean, that's not as good as as last year. Last year, Denver kept him to, I think, only 60. Something like that. But they kept... At least they didn't let Derrick Henry go, you know, hog wild. Which is what Tennessee paid him a shit ton of money to do. But I think Tennessee is going to have their own problems going further because they did have some key injuries especially on that offensive line so they even though they won the game they didn't leave unscathed but this Broncos defense you know kudos to them for you know keeping this team in the game and although there were some questionable plays and the the rushing uh, the pass rush wasn't as exceptional as it, it could have been or it should have been I should say and obviously that's without because of Von Miller and what I think that defense that that front line really missed is that leadership that Von Miller brings aside from you know Von being uh Von and being a monster and what have you they really missed what Von brings to the table you know his leadership his experience and just the fact that Von creates you know problems for that offensive line and not to take away anything from Atachu, Chubb, and and you know even Reed, they they did good, but unfortunately Chubb wasn't really playing at a hundred percent. At least I don't think he was. There were a couple plays where Chubb was able to get to the quarterback, but unfortunately he wasn't on time. So I I think that right now the the biggest need for for Denver is to get one of these uh, pass rushers in here and I know that Denver had tried before the the game to try to get guys like Clay Matthews and Cameron Wake and 
there was one other player I forgot. Well, there is one now that I think about it that is coming. Uh, he played with Vic Fangio. I think his name is Irving something or other, but he's in the phases of COVID uh, passing. But I don't think he's a veteran pass rusher. I think he might be used more for depth, if I'm not mistaken. But we, uh, this probably shows that, yeah, I mean, it, it still sucks that we lost Justin Holland. Uh, unfortunately, he went to the Rams. I don't know if he played against uh, the Cowboys. I don't remember seeing his name out there. But it, we could have used we could have used a guy like Hollins out there. This this would have been the perfect time for him to show that you know he would have been worth or that he could be worth uh, a big contract. And I I just hope that Denver is able to get somebody into that pass rush because I think what affected them the most is the fact that there was no no depth behind them. So the fact that they were out there more than they probably wish they should have been was a factor. Uh, and the fact that I think that Bradley Chubb was on a snap count, so he wasn't out there every single snap. You know, he came in every other one and they were, I don't know if they maybe used him for coverage, which is what Chubb isn't really He's kind of like Vaughn in that in that regard. They're not really great at coverage. They're better at just, you know, pass rush. But if they're able to bring uh, a big a big veteran and somebody did tell me on Twitter earlier that, you know, they're still hoping for Ryan Kerrigan from the uh I was going to say the Redskins. <laughs> the Washington football team, but his price is is pretty heavy. And not only that, Denver would have to give up, uh, you know, a draft pick or two, and they'd have to pay a big contract. And seeing as how the uh, Washington football team went out and destroyed uh, eight, uh, Carson Wentz, I think he was sacked like eight times. I don't think that Washington is in the in the market for trading uh, Ryan Ryan Kerrigan. Hell, he could get a big contract out of Washington next season if he keeps playing like that. Him and Chase Young are. You know they're 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 doing some damage out there, so our best hope is to just try to get one of these guys to to come in, and I'm pretty sure it's all about money. Elway can be kind of cheap when it comes to contracts, or or maybe these guys just don't want to play for Denver, and they want to go play for a team like the Cowboys, waiting for Jerry Jones to pick up the phone and call them. But you know who knows, but. You know, to 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 kind of wrap this this game up, this game should have been won. It should have been won. I believe the offense struggled struggled a little bit more than they should have, but that was expected because they were new. And I know I was really bold and I was kind of far out when I thought that they would put up 38 points. But I figured, you know, if you don't go big, it's either go big or go home. So it was a bold prediction. I was way off. And, but there were shines, there were shines, there were signs of flashes of how great this offense can be. And Drew Locke and Noah Fant, and we still yet to see, you know, Corlin Sutton in year three with uh, Drew Locke, uh, the sky's the limit. And, you know, Jerry Judy got to work on, you know, work them hands, catching the ball and not always trying to look to see who's in front of you or what route you can run. But if they can get that together and this offense can cut this defense some slack, you know, and at least try to get them some some rest when they when the defense really needs it, or at least try to put up some points if you're going to, you know, go out and 
cut the defensive rest short. Or if the coaching staff can learn to use a fucking timeout. <laughs> I I think we'll be fine. But it's it's on to Pittsburgh. And if you're interested about what my thoughts are about Pittsburgh, I honestly at this at this moment in time, I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm still reevaluating things. But I can tell you where you can go and see what my prediction is for that. And you can go to the Mile High Roundtable with my good friends, Christy, Mundungus, and Glenn. We do a four-panel talk there on that podcast. We're on YouTube. Uh, I believe there is an audio version you can hear on uh, Anchor, where you also might be hearing this. And we're also on Spotify. So, you know, check us out. We do a live broadcast from YouTube every Thursday at, I believe it's 5, 5 Central. Oh, you can check the times on our Twitter page. You can also follow us there at MHRT. And I will have my uh, Steelers prediction as well as my uh, fellow Bronconians predictions there. And that's going to be the end of, for this episode. And before I sign off, let me just uh, give a big thanks to everybody that listens to this podcast. I know it's not the most famous or greatest or best Broncos podcast out in wherever it is you hear that your podcast, but I'm very grateful for every listener. I'm very grateful for every person that favorited this podcast. And I think I've exceeded my expectations when I started this. I honestly didn't think I was going to get as many listeners as I did. I honestly didn't think I was going to I was going to do as great as I think I am. And the reason I say that is because before this, you know, I wanted to be a video game streamer and, and I did it, but unfortunately my, my numbers were, were shit. You know, sometimes I would play any one of my favorite games and nobody would be watching. And I know I've, I've, I've seen a bunch of videos that always say, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta stick with it and you gotta keep trying, even though nobody's watching, just pretend somebody is and, and all that good stuff. And maybe it's true. Maybe they're right. But I haven't given up on that, but I've kind of used that as uh, as um, as a template, I guess you could say, as to how I envisioned my podcast career going. But so far, I think it's going really good, and not just with this one, but also with uh, Mile High Roundtable. I have high hopes for that podcast as well, and I hope you guys can come be a part of it out of both podcasts. Because I believe that what you hear on this podcast is different from what you'll see in here on that one. Plus, I can curse on here all I want. <laughs> so that that's the shit. But anyway, folks, that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. And as always, if you have any comments, ideas, suggestions, you can reach me at uh, on Twitter at A6Foot10Mexican. That's the number 6, FT10, Mexican, uh, first letter A. Or if you have any questions, comments, ideas, or suggestions you want to tell me about the show, you can email me directly at broncostalk2020 at gmail.com. And like I said, you guys are amazing. Thank you for coming and listening to the show. If you're on Anchor and you want to be a supporter, uh, there should be an option there where you can support and donate if you'd like. I'd really appreciate it. But I'm just happy that you guys are here. And let me just end this by saying Broncos country, don't panic. It's one loss. We can do this. If I have faith in this team, 
you guys have, have faith in this team. And with that, thanks for listening, listeners and citizens of Broncos country. Have a good day, and I will see you all next time.